Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Hi, Scott Hansen here. This is not the typical start to our weekly Money Matters podcast. Although you'll have that in just a moment when Pat McLean will be joining me. But given what's happened this past week with the financial markets, with um, the skirmish that we're, I guess, the war we're seeing with Russia and Ukraine, we thought we'd take some time and have a little perspective on the financial market. So just uh, yesterday, I sat down with Andy Stout. He's the chief investment officer here at Allworth Financial. And we had a good conversation about really what's what what's happened historically during, during times like this, what this might mean going forward, and and how should investors look at that. So uh, got a f- just a few moments of listening with Andy Stout, then we'll have our typical Money Matters broadcast. So, hey, thanks for being part of the community. Well, hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here with our Chief Investment Officer, Andy Stout. And um, it is, what, Friday the 25th. We thought we'd come together and talk a bit about the markets. And it's been, uh, obviously, a strange week. And, and we made this decision to put this out Thursday morning. And if you remember what Thursday morning was like, we all kind of woke up uh, Russia moved into Ukraine. The Dow started off the day down 800 points. Right. We're thinking, where's this going to go? Rallies have come up. Russia continues to invade. Anyway, we thought we'd get together and just kind of talk about uh, what this might mean for the markets over the short term and over the longer term. So thanks for being part of us. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yesterday was a very crazy day. And on Friday, that's today, the market got off to a really good start because things are looking positive on the geopolitical front, but this is ever-changing. What we're going to be seeing a lot right now, Scott, is headlines driving the market. It's not really going to be based on fundamentals. It's going to be based on that headline risk. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seemed to, to me a little shocking that things rebounded so quickly and and people are throwing money back into stocks uh, given what's going on politically. Well, if you think about what drives markets in the long run, it's going to be fundamentals. It's going to be earnings. And when you see these big dislocations like we had yesterday morning where the market sells off on what I'll call sentiment more than anything else or headlines, then what you're going to need to see, you're going to see the long-term investors, the people who are focused on asset allocation, they're going to put money in when the market's down. So it's the whole buy low, sell high. So that's one reason you really don't want your emotions taking over because it's easy to get scared when you see uh, the, the missile strikes in the Ukraine. Well, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's it's surreal. I think this whole thing's surreal because I mean, we've seen other wars, other skirmishes, of course, during our lifetime. But if ever since I could remember, Russia was the bad. I was the Soviet Union, and then we had the Cold War, and we won the Cold War, and we've kept them at essentially at bay all these years, and we've had a couple of things. But then like, we all wake up and like this is. European war again, like where's this all going to lead? I think that's the concern that many investors have. Yeah, it's the worst crisis really in Europe since 1945. I mean, it just is, right? Yeah. So then investors are just naturally worried about what will happen next. But if you look at military conflicts or just sort of insurrections, what you've seen in the past, you've usually seen about a one day drop of around 4%. Now we saw that, but then we recovered it pretty quickly. On average, going back to that period, we've recovered all of those losses within about 35 days. And if we go back to other longer conflicts, uh, do the markets tend to go down further and stay down for a period of time until things like during World War II, is that what the markets did or is it? I mean, I, there's some industries do very well during right. times of war, yeah. right? I mean, ultimately, World War II helped us get out of the Great Depression, right? But if you look at the 
the longer term drawn out declines, those typically coincide with uh, recessions. Right now, recession risk is still low. Uh, when you look at the uh, September 11th, uh, you look at the first Gulf War, those did coincide with recessions. Those saw a little bit longer of a recovery and a little bit more of a drawdown. Right now, the economy's growing, we're in good shape. I mean, it's not as strong as it was last year, and there's certainly some headwinds. There's no question about that. But recession risk is still low. And so, I mean, we're, all, we're also at a time when inflation, every month the numbers come out, right. going higher and higher. Uh, the feds are saying they're going to be raising rates, mm -hmm. um, which some of those would, would seem to be possibility to lead into a, a recession. Mm -hmm. Add this conflict, war, essentially. Uh, do we have more concern today for a recession than we had a week ago? It's probably a little bit, but not too much more. When we think about inflation, there's certainly some things that are in our favor as far as moving forward, specifically for the Russia-Ukraine conflict, the sanctions that President Biden put on Russia, there were no energy sanctions. So that's good uh, for the economy, <laughs> yeah. right? For the US economy and the European economy. So there was no real energy sanctions. So that should help you know, keep the price of oil from getting too far out of control. The oil has increased from 30 to about $30 a barrel over the past three months. And that's going to add about one to one and a half percent to CPI itself, CPI being consumer prices, right? So we have no energy sanctions, uh, that, so that's a good thing. Also, consumers still expect inflation to come back down. So what we call that is anchored inflation. If you look out over the next year, consumers are expecting about a 5% inflation. And that's probably what it'll be, pretty close to them, at least based on the day-to-day. -day. I'm gonna but, hold you to that one. Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna hold that one. I mean, when, it changes every yeah. time, right? And But if you look at the three to five year period, consumers expect inflation to come down. And that's important because if the longer term inflation expectations, if those rise, then it becomes really like a self-fulfilling prophecy because what will happen is businesses will raise prices, uh, employees will demand higher wages, and people will just spend spending, well, yeah, they'll pull spending forward. So we're not there yet, and that's a good thing. Also, we've seen some improvements in the supply chain, so that's another good factor. Well, I, if you look at the equity markets, I mean, um, historically we have a 10% downturn about once a year, right? Every nine months or so, mm -hmm. if we go back over history, and we have a 20% downturn about every three years or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and we still haven't hit a 20% downturn on the on the broad S&P 500. We were down more than 10%, but um, I, 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 I read the other day, uh, it was called Tina. You probably heard this before. Yeah, there, there is, no, is alternative. no alternative. And I'm reading this article about Tina, no alternative. Essentially, there's no alternative to stocks. And I, I kind of scratched my head on that. Like, well, that's a bit dangerous if you need your money in a short period of time, right? So uh, maybe you could just kind of briefly talk about the concept behind asset allocation and why stocks are, why we don't try to time the markets. And yeah. So I've been getting a lot of questions like, what are you doing about this? Well, we're doing what we always do. We're focusing on the long term. We're not worried about day to day movements. That's noise. If you look longer term, there's going to be drawdowns like 10 percent. That's pretty normal. If you go back to 1980, the average intra year counter drops 14 percent. Still, 83 percent of those counter years, we have higher returns. So on, aver wait, on average, the last say, 40 years, we've had a 14% drop sometime during yes, the calendar year. Exactly, exactly. And still we end up higher. So 
there's going to be volatility, there's going to be recessions, but every single time we've overcome that, markets moved higher, the economy has improved. So when we think about your long-term allocation, we want to really make sure that your investment mix is connected with what your financial and retirement goals are and not make those emotional decisions because markets do move up over time, staying calm, staying disciplined, that's really going to be key to achieving any sort of financial goals that you know we obviously want you to achieve. Yeah, and I remember I started back in the industry in uh, July of 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was about 2,600, right? So I, I try to always put that in perspective. And one of the benefits about getting older, you have all these real life experiences of living through these, some of the downturns and mm -hmm. you could realize they're, they're temporary. Even though I think the crisis we're in now, um, who knows what the, how this is going to shape Europe over the next five years, 10 right. years, 30 years. Um, but the overall economy and the markets probably aren't gonna fall apart just because we've got some, some situations going on in Eastern Europe. I mean, we're going to have volatility. It's normal. You, the turbulence that you see in the markets, that's just part of investing. When you think of, I mean, there's no free lunch, right? So you want to make sure that when you're thinking about investing, you have the right investment mix. So when the volatility happens, what you don't do is you don't bail out. You're able to sleep at night, making sure that you can still achieve your financial goals. Because if you start losing sleep at night, you're probably taking too much risk to begin with, right? Yeah, or you just lose sleep because you're worried about other things anyway. But Well, uh, you know, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, so much appreciate having you with us uh, today, Andy. And uh, if you've got some concerns about your own situation or wonder if you've got the right kind of allocation, reach out to your financial advisor. They'd love to have a conversation with you and talk more about it. So thanks, thanks again, Andy. All right, thank you. Well, hey, I hope you uh, found this perspective helpful. And just note that we'll continue to keep an eye as the situation unfolds. But uh, right now, listen to our weekly Money Matters podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. I'm uh, glad you, well, we hope you're joining us. Well, you must be joining us, otherwise you wouldn't hear, be hearing this. <laughs> okay. so, I don't, we don't know if there's two or 20 or 2,000 or 200,000. Somewhere in between those numbers yes. is my guess. The number of people that are and joining us. And by the, the way, show. we would like to have more than 200,000, but um, yes, I don't really, actually, as long as somebody's interested, if it makes someone's financial life better, then I'm glad they're participating. If it's for just... Pure out of boredom, I was going to say entertainment, but that would be implying that we're somewhat entertaining. But then, well, there we go. Anyway, anyway, it's financial talk show. People call in. They ask questions about money. We do our best to answer them. What we like to think about is people get to the point in life where work becomes uh, not an obligation, but something that they want to do. And many people want to continue to work, but it's always good to have enough money to stop working if you need to or so desire. Yes. And, and by, one out of two of us retire earlier than planned. Because they need to. Yes. Not because they want to, but because something, they need to. Something in the marketplace or even more commonly is healthcare. Yeah. Or uh, is a health issue. Not health. Not, health not always with themselves, but oftentimes with a loved one. Yeah. So if you want to be part of the program, we love taking calls. Uh, as you know, if you're a podcast listener, if you... You're thinking, how do I call a podcast? We simply schedule a time that's convenient for both of us, all of us, um, to take your call and answer your question. And to join us, if you want to just say, hey, I think I'll get that, I'd like to get that on the calendar. 833-99-WORTH is the number, 833-99-WORTH. Numerically, it's simply 833 6784 
Let's uh, let's start off here in Ohio with Jody. Jody, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Jody. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I had to retire about five years ago for health issues, and I rolled over my 401k, and um, I have like a 65-35 balance. Okay. But um, my guy that I'm working with, he called and he was, um, he told me that I had lost like $10,000 at the beginning of the year. How big's the account? And uh, 206, it was 206. Okay. All right. So you lost $10,000 at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And um, he was wanting to know if I should, if I wanted to leave it the way it is, or if I wanted to go more conservatively, did he I'm want sixty five thirty five right now? How old are you? I'm sixty. I'll be sixty four this year. And are you taking income from this? No. Okay. And did he offer an alternative? Did he say like annuity well, he- or? index annuity or anything like that? No. Okay. He was just saying something about um, more conservatively. And what options, like, and what did he mean by that? I don't know. Okay. And did he try to, did he um, schedule an appointment with you? Put, put maybe, I think he was going to take some of the stocks, sell some of the stocks and put it in bonds. Did you so call him or did him. he call you? Um, he called me. And did you know? Because he said. Okay. He told me that it was time for a checkup or something, you know, a review of my, yeah. uh, my account. Okay. So, um, you're not, when do you expect to take income from this? I don't know. Well, you're required by law to start taking approximately 4% of the account balance out when you're 72. So that's still a eight years. years from now. Let me, let me kind of, can I dig a little deeper? Like, this advi- financial advisor, how long, have been, how long have you been working with this advisor? Here's why I'm, we're asking. Um, it just seems weird that when the markets go down, he's saying, hey, do you want to be more conservative? That's usually the question you have when the markets are up. And it's normally not the advisor that brings it up. It's the client. <laughs> right, like, uh-oh. So how did you meet this advisor? Um, I, like I said, I was going to retire and I had a 401k where I worked at and I didn't know what to do with it. it. So um, I went to this financial advisor and when I first started out, it was a hundred thirty thousand. Okay. So and and then it went up to two oh six, and now it's down to one ninety something. Okay. What do you, Jody? What do you think you should do? Well, I don't want to. It's one ninety five right now. Okay, so it's down five um, percent. I don't want to keep losing money. But you I may. Mean, Okay. 
Well, see, I you know, here, here's real. here's part of the challenge, right? So you started with 130,000. It went up mm-hmm. to over 200,000. Had you taken this conservative strategy to begin with, it might have been worth about 140,000 today. Maybe. Right? So all this gain has been well, because you participate in the market. The market has a little bit of a downturn. It doesn't you're not taking income from this. You've got eight years before you have to. If you the greatest want to. probability for this providing any sort of meaningful retirement income for you the rest of your life is a portfolio similar to how it's constructed today, assuming it's in low cost uh, decent alternatives underlying. The problem is is it's ten thousand. And people don't actually think about percentages. So it's down five percent, which is nominal. It's not much. It's not much. It's still ten thousand. So don't don't get me wrong, but the cost of making all that money from moving it from one hundred and thirty thousand to one hundred and ninety five thousand dollars today was that volatility or the ups and downs in the marketplace. You get rewarded for that over time. And so as hard as it is to actually see a dollar amount go backwards, it's the same mechanism that allows the dollars to go forward which is risk. And it's called a risk premium for a reason. You're going to get premium, more money. You're going to get a premium payment, more money than you would be at a risk-free asset over time. And the important thing is over time, over time. So if you expected to spend this money in the next year, this is not the right allocation. If you expect to spend the money in eight years, this is 100% the right allocation. Couldn't be better allocation, 65-35. And remember, when you go to spend the money at 72, you're only going to have to take 4% out. So in saying that, if you moved it down to 55%, 45% if it made you feel better, then do it. If you were my sister, my slightly older sister, Jody, <laughs> I would tell you not to worry about it. Leave it alone. He should be rebalancing the portfolio. He should be looking at the portfolio on a weekly basis to make sure or that- Or having a system structured in such a manner that it does that for him. Well, yeah. I mean, the process is, right? We run every one of our portfolios, right? I shouldn't say everyone. The vast majority of our portfolios go through a screen on a weekly basis to make sure that they're within what we call tolerance in order to understand what that stock-to-bond ratio is. And other asset classes. You're just being simplistic. Yeah, there's a bunch of other different asset classes. But just from the what you have told us so far, you're fine. You're fine. But it could go down to 185 or 175 or 160. In which case, what would you do, Jody? I don't know. <laughs> you would leave it alone. You would leave it alone. These declines are historically, they've always been temporary. Always. And as long as you're broadly diversified, you if you own, let's say, a, 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 a U.S. stock mutual fund, you are an owner of the large, some of the largest companies in the, in the United States, in the world. And you're going to participate over the long term as those companies grow in value. So I, I, like, to, I like to remember, when I started in this industry in 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was about 2,600, 2,600. Today, it's over 30,000. 
Now, through that, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of times when people saw their statements and they looked negative like this. And if we just focus on day to day or quarter to quarter or even year to year, it's, it's, it's can be frightening. But if we can step back and think over the long term, these declines are always temporary. I'm not predicting it's going to be over soon. It might be last all year. I don't know. But if the, your, your greatest probability for having success for the long term is having a long term approach to this. And um, for that reason, we wouldn't recommend at this stage making any major changes. But <laughs> appreciate the call, Jody. But to your point, Pat, we've been doing this long enough to know that sometimes you do a little bit to pl- yes, just to make someone feel better about the situation. We feel like because what happens? We feel out of control. Well, what's strange about it is the advisor brought it up. Maybe that's a good point. <laughs> she said the advisor. It might have been it. a standard check-in call, and yeah, yeah, and he he, he she, initiated he, the outreach. Yeah, on a regular basis, and maybe just he's a phenomenal. Out. I can think we our concern to begin with was like, uh oh. He's using this as an opportunity to use fear to get her out of the good investments into some high price. Doesn't sound like it, though. Doesn't sound like it. No. And by the way, so she moves to 60% or 55% and makes her feel a little bit better, takes a little bit of risk out of the portfolio. Wouldn't be the ideal time to do it, but it's not going to, you know, not going to blow up the situation. And I think, yeah, what happens is when, when markets are going down, people feel out of control. They feel like we need to do something. Clearly, we need to do something about this situation. My account's going down in value. I need to do something. Talk to their financial advisor. No, you don't understand. You need to do something. This is my retirement. So sometimes the financial advisors say, okay, okay I tell you, well, well, we'll make a couple changes. That's ever so minor with the advisor thinks, well, I'll make these changes. For It's going to placate this individual. The individual is going to feel more confident. It's going to more settle things down. F- settle things down. Give him the him or her and or both the highest probability of success coming out the, the backside. Yeah. And you, we clearly, uh, when you've when you've been doing this a while and you've lived through some financial um, ups and downs, um, and you see that from clients often. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, continue on again. If you want to be part of the program, eight three three. 99 worth is the number and we're in northern california talking with randy randy you're with all worth's money matters hi can you hear me okay yes we can loud and clear yes what can we do for you randy great it's it's a kind of a tax question related to 401ks um i'm a retired federal employee um and i have a tsp account which i'm sure you guys are aware of uh-huh. uh, savings plan and uh, i made my first withdrawal just the end of uh, december here recently uh, the market was good for the year, so I made a withdrawal, my first one. And uh, they withdrew federal taxes, which is great. Mm-hmm. They do not, uh, the federal thrift people do not um, take out state taxes. And I guess that's pretty common with 401ks. Well, sometimes um, it's, they don't, they're not required to. So they're required to withhold 20%. Right. They're not required to withhold state. Oh, most, most 401k plans give you that option. I'm not sure if the TSP does or not. So, um, so they didn't withhold. Yeah, they do not with state. Okay. They, they don't give me that option. Say, okay, so what's your question for us? How old are you, by the way? So they withhold that. I, I am sixty-six. Okay, I just thank turned you. Sixty-six. Okay, and uh, and I have a good, you know, underlying retirement and all that. So I'm, really, this is um, just a wonderful addition for me. So they took out the twenty percent federal. I added a little more to match my tax bracket. The four hundred one k. I'm concerned um, with the state taxes. I I I know my bracket, and I set aside a little higher than that. But um, 
I'm concerned, you know, I could pay the taxes. I'm just concerned if the state's going to penalize me. Um, I thought I'd just file my taxes when it comes time and, and I'm going to owe them because of this, of this, um, yeah, they probably um, the won't problem. the first year because it's it's really based upon if you make your estimated taxes and they'll compare it to your previous year. But going forward, um, you, you might have to pay quarterly taxes if you maintain okay. it at the TSP and take withdrawals. And if and in fact they do not right. give you that option of California withholding tax. So I but so so the, the, for the year twenty twenty, uh, you took it out in twenty twenty one, correct? I did right at the end of the year. So, so your timing was fine. Yeah, your, your timing's fine. What are they going to penalize? You got it in December. You're just going to pay the taxes on it when you actually file your tax return and for the year. Oh, great. Yeah, but the following year, no, he had an estimate at January 15th. That's right. So for, for, for last year, you're fine going forward. If I were okay. in your situation, Randy, I would transfer the money from the thrift savings plan into an IRA uh-huh. at any number of brokerage firms where I've got Total, total mm-hmm. flex. I could build the same exact portfolio at extremely low cost ETFs, and then when I wanted a withdrawal, if it's like, hey, I'd like a withdrawal right now, I can super easy to do. You, you're unlimited essentially on the withdrawals. You can have whatever tax withholding you want. Scott, you got right in front of me there. I was going to recommend exactly the same thing, but you said you didn't. You took it out because you had a good year. Did you spend the money you took out? Oh no no not yet it's it's I have it uh, I'm very fortunate in that I don't rely on anything close to it for okay. uh, living expenses. Well, why, why you didn't do, you put it in a Roth? Why aren't you doing a Roth conversion? I I can. There are some things I need or not need, but I want to do. Um, okay. I do have some things covered, but I want to travel and do some things. And I I've read your article about the three ways to reduce your um, RMDs in the future because I'm 66 and in six years at 72 I'll have RMDs. They're trying to extend it to 75, but who knows if they'll do that. But okay. six years of RMD, so I certainly would like to spend some of the money now. Uh, I'm not. I understand how Roth conversions work. I'm not a big fan later in life, uh, even like it's kind of a trade to me. But earlier, certainly the younger. Why? No, 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 no. no. I think right? you're. I think. Look, here's how I view it. You took money uh-huh. out of your 401k. You chose to take it out of a retirement account, pay the taxes, and have it at home. If you have an immediate use for it, great. But if you don't have an immediate use for it, number one, or number two, if you have other savings options, my preference would have been said, let's take the money from the 401k. If we're going to take it, let's put it into a Roth. That way it grows tax deferred and it's going to be tax free as long as we leave it there for five or more years. So what is the account balance for your TSP? Um, Last I checked, it was around uh, 1 million. Okay. So- and, and how much do you have asked? And I know you didn't call for this, but Randy, we are financial advisors, right. so we cannot help ask. ourselves. <laughs> we can't help ourselves, right? And and I got to tell you about the eighty. Best, what's that? I was just going to say the best financial planners are ones that ask questions before they give answers. Yes, absolutely. And, and about eighty percent of the time, we discover we discover things uh, in these conversations. How much money do you have outside of thrift savings plans or IRAs or qualified dollars? Outside, well, uh, including I have a small Roth and and another IRA, so I'm a, and I'm about and I haven't checked bounces lately, but all my retirement assets are about 1.2 million. Okay, and then I probably have outside of retirement accounts, um, a hundred thousand. Okay, maybe you, 110 yeah, that are yeah. that are most for long term set aside. Yeah, yeah. So you you here's if you were sitting in my office, we'd say here's what we're gonna do. 
We're going to take the money out of the thrift savings plan. We're going to move it into an IRA. If you're going to use an advisor for this advice, you're going to pay a little bit more money than what it costs in the thrift savings plan. You're just paying for the advice. But if you're not. But if you're not. You can do it equally as inexpensive. And you could get the same menu that they have through the thrift savings plan plus 70 times more in terms of selection because the thrift savings plan only has a less than a half dozen selection. Last I checked, I think it had four or five, right? So there's five, not counting the target. That's amazing. Yeah. Five. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> know. You know, just thinking about this. <laughs> that's because it's Congress. Puts together, I don't know who does what, What's that? I, for a lot of, I think for more people than, this is my opinion, just for more people than not, I think it's a good thing because they get the kind of deer in the headlights kind of thing. And, and I love, I'm a big indexer. I don't mind yep. actively managed funds, but I like indexing. And unfortunately, like you're saying, moving it, um, fees for like Vanguard is very comparable to TSP fee-wise. And also, even I think Charles Schwab and some others have um, similar investments. ETFs, uh, it's a race to zero right now. I think two or three basis points. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, move it over into an IRA. And then anytime, and then rather than than convert, you want to, the thing is you're going to have to use up some of that liquid cash in order to do the convert. Or maybe you'll take some money out of the IRA and pay the tax on the Roth conversion. But you most certainly right. should be actually either working through these numbers yourself or with a financial advisor or a good accountant to figure out what your Roth conversion should be on an annual basis. But the answer to your question is you don't have a tax issue for next year for 2021's tax But if return. you do the same thing going forward, you have to pay uh, estimated file estimated taxes. But that's the answer to the question you asked. The Our, our advice for, would for be— For tax year 2022. Yeah, my advice was now, I wouldn't move it. I'd move it over to an IRA to not it, have to deal with it, and then not deal with it. You just withhold every time you take a distribution. And I wanted to, and I find to understand where you're coming from. I certainly would have if I wasn't planning on using the entire amount. If it was that much excess, like I was kind of referring to, that you'd have the money in there, the cash to pay the convert, you know, the taxes on the conversion. But I probably will use it up year to year with okay. some things that are not essential, Perfect. like travel and stuff but like that. It's your money, um, and that's. That, and yeah, exactly. But I appreciate the advice. The other big drawback, and you pro- guys probably know this, the TSP, it's huge. A couple of years ago, they made some law changes to TSP that really improved access to it in retirement, really made major improvements. But they left one thing alone, and that is um, I don't have all five investments in TSP, but let's say I did, and you take money out. Like, for example, I have four of the five, the G fund and yeah. the three stock funds. If I wanted to take money just out of the G fund, you cannot do that. It has to be prorated. From all of the, in my case, four investments I have. That's, That's a right. major drawback. If the mar- if the market's down next year, and I want to take some just out of the G fund because it's you know government security. And the G fund is the stable value fund, right? The G fund exactly. is the stable value fund. So co- correct. Yeah. The the and only thing that, that. Th- I wouldn't be allowed to do that. That's right. The only thing that Thrift Savings Plan has for it going forward is they've got these. And by the way, they'll get worse and worse every year. So they sign these long co- contracts with insurance companies that are backing what that stable value fund is actually doing. What's it paying now? It should be playing somewhere in the threes, right? Oh, no. What's it paying? Uh, oh, no. The, the G Fund, uh, Treasury Securities, it's a specially issued 10-year Treasury. It gets a long-term rate based on a short-term Treasury, but it's kind of weird. But last year it earned, the G Fund earned 1.38. So it's okay. a cash account. A little That's better a, than you get online, certainly. Yeah, so maybe yeah. keep that whatever portion you want to have in cash. Uh, how much cash you can have for your retirement. Yeah, yeah. we're talking around the edges here. Anyway, <laughs> we're good? All right. right. No. 
Yeah, I am, and I appreciate that. I uh, I may have to look into. Um, there's more to this, but if I basically the Roth conversion would lose its value if I planned on using up all the money every That's year, then right. the Roth conversion That's... wouldn't be. But if you're planning on taking money each year, or your requirement of distributions are such that I mean, there's some real planning opportunity between now and and seventy two. Yeah, right. Um, if and, I were I you, if I were you, yeah. I would put money into the Roth because you can always take it out if you don't want to, if you don't want to leave it there. Right, right. And I do have. And I do have some money in a Roth, but not a lot. I have like eighty thousand or something like that. So it's yeah, not, but right now, if I could take, I if you got a hundred grand in savings, if you had, how much did you take from your four hundred one k last year? Uh, that last, that one I was talking about, my first was thirty six thousand. Okay, and if if about if you had the ability right now to take some of the hundred grand and just stick it to a Roth, would you do that? Well, I don't have any earned income now, so I wouldn't. I'm not. That's I not what I understand. We're just talking about conversion. Okay. Okay. Scott's trying to use an analogy oh, that's not working. Yeah. <laughs> no. You, you, no, you look, I before you take you, another one. You have so. six years, you have a six year window, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe it's 10,000. You're going to be taking 15, some 000. out every year between now and then. I would just play with the numbers to make sure that you make, you're making the right decision. I mean, you're in great shape. You got a great pension, yeah, right? Yeah, Thank you for your service no, over the years. And all we're that. just, we're, we're just fighting around the edges here. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. I mean, Ninety percent of America wishes they were as fine as you. That's right. Anyway, wish you well, Randy. Hey, we're going to take a break in a um, in a moment. We've got a uh, Social Security workshop. I want to let you know about. It's a virtual workshop. But we we did a lot of in person workshops, and then the pandemic hit, and then we kicked things back up in. Um, and then the pen, then it re, then it <laughs> the happened next again. wave came again, and people got a little uncomfortable. But I must say, after just watching the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, and seeing that those none of those people seem too concerned about <laughs> no. being crowded, do they? Right? So maybe maybe we should do some ones uh, in person again coming up. And yeah. for those that are comfortable, look, if you're not, then that's fine. But um, but in any case, we want to we want to give people an opportunity. And this. We've we've always been focused on education. It's part of our core values. Like, want to make sure that people make the right decisions. So, we've got this virtual workshop on the five steps to unlocking Social Security, which essentially it's those five things that you need to know about today so you can maximize your benefits when it comes to retirement. Right. And it there's 81 different ways for couples to file. 81 different That's methodologies crazy. that you could file, and it does make a difference over the long term. Based upon your life expectancy, always life expectancy comes into social security. Cause I always get the question, what's the absolute best way to do this? Well, that's the first thing. If you can tell me the day you're going to die, then it's a hundred percent or what a hundred percent of your income is going to look like going forward. So we talk about all of this. Scott Hansen will actually be hosting it. Yes, sir. Um, it, the social security workshops are our most widely attended workshops consistently year over year over year. More people attend these than the other workshops. And we give multiple workshops on the art of retirement, which is how to be happy in retirement. We give them on investments. We give them on financial planning, but the social security one is our most popular. And uh, I'll be covering some of the most pressing questions like how do I maximize my retirement income overall, Right. When is the right time for me to take it? Do I take it at my normal retirement age? Do I take it slightly before? Do I delay? How's it taxed? What legislative changes might impact the benefits? What are some strategies so I can preserve my savings? And a number of other things as well. So they're, they're quite informative. It's uh, March 15th, March 16th, March 17th, and March 19th. Those are going to be the dates that uh, I'm going to be hosting this workshop. 
So you'll want to register at allworthfinancial.com. Again, allworthfinancial.com. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. All right, welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes, we're glad you are still with us. So, um, Scott, I keep hearing about the big resignation. No, it's like we talked about it, I think, last week on the show about what happens to these people. Where do they go? So I came across some statistics. Um, I mean, I've, we've all had those days, right? right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Do I really want this job? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I Whatever I, it is. Yeah, it doesn't. And everything in life. Every, everything. Everything good in life is going to yeah, have some yeah. ups and downs. Where do you return these kids? Um, yeah. That sort of thing. That one's a tough one. <laughs> that one's like... <laughs> Yeah. And then the other day, and then you're like, two days later, I have the greatest kids ever. That's just life. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're bragging. So this comes from- I don't take credit and I don't take the blame with my kids. Oh, well, salaries. you might have something to do with it. So this is according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, senior economist Miguel Faria y Castro. What is that guy now? I'm joking. Okay. So- 4.2 million. Oh, seven Federal Reserve banks, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what it is. 4.2 million people left the workforce as the pandemic. 4.2 so million people. They left. They didn't resign. They have no intention of coming back. No intention of coming back. But this is. So who are these people? So, well, it pushed the percentage of retirees in the U.S. population to 19.4% in October of 2021 from. January of 2020, so what are we, 22 months later, it was at 18.3%, mm. right? That's a- That's quite a bit. Yeah, it's about it's about 6% increase, right? In a relatively short period of time. That's the number of retirees in the U.S. population is now 19.4%. And this is October of 2021. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see it at 20% today. So- the question they were asking themselves is, what drove this? What what was it? Was it the fact that people were being laid off? That was part of it. There was a drop in goods and services. Well, they this. got scared to death. Don't leave the house. You're going to die. There's yeah. that. Yeah. And a large part of it was due to, they believe it was due to an increase in asset values. And it sped people up on their goals to retirement. <laughs> Sudden wealth effect. Yeah. The danger with that is that sometimes those assets that go up in value really, really quickly come down in value really, really quickly, which is- So we might see some of those 4.2 million back in the workforce. You may. Let's just hope that they have a well-balanced portfolio. Which should be a healthy thing for us as a nation anyway. All right. Let's uh, take some calls here. We are in Florida talking with Rose. Rose, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello. Thank you for taking my call, guys. Oh, good. Thanks, Thanks for calling. What can we do for you? Oh, mine. I, <laughs> well, I have a couple of questions that I need to run by you and see if you guys can help me. Out. Great. 
um, I have a mortgage, baseball mortgage of about $130,000. Okay. And uh, I have a 3.25 interest rate. Mm -hmm. I have the money to pay. Uh It is set up aside on on a high-yield savings account because I didn't want to take chances. Got it. But I am always afraid to pay off this mortgage and um, run out of money, and <laughs> basically. So, uh, so, so, Rose, if I, if I may, I, I like where you're going with this. How much money do you have in this high-yield savings account? Let's, let's not talk about the mortgage, but how much money do you have in the high-yield savings account right now? I have about uh, between it's we call I call it the house account, which is the mortgage and our emergency fund. So it's about two hundred eighty thousand. Okay, and then do you have any money in brokerage accounts or IRAs or anything like that? Stocks, bonds. Yes. Tell us about that. We do have uh, a total. Well, with the um, this money, with this the high yield savings account, we have about. The, Two million. Okay, so you have, in addition to this two hundred and eighty thousand, you have one point seven two million dollars in other investments. How old are you? Yes, sixty-three. And are you married? I'm married. My husband is sixty-four. And are you receiving? I'm sorry. Are you are you taking any money out of this two million dollars a year to live on? No. Okay. We are not taking any money. You got to pay this mortgage off. Has a, a well, my my husband has a, a pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not big, but um, he has a pension, and we're not taking Social Security yet. We are waiting until at least his full retirement age. Yep. And uh, so, my, my problem with paying the mortgage yeah, is what's that the, uh, what's the uh, concern here? What's the risk? That I. <laughs> I'm concerned that if we decide to to sell the house and move to where the kids are closer to, and then I won't have money to for no. for down payments. No, you, know? you would have the money for down payments. That isn't even an issue. And the the thing is, you you know what I love about this, Rose. You're a you you took your money and you put it in a high yield savings account. You didn't say a savings account. You said it's a high yield savings account. And that high yield savings account is yielding, is yielding what? A half a percent. Yeah. Half a percent. Half a percent. How about, how about, how about we put it in a super high yield savings account where we can yield 3.25%. That, that would be great. But you know, my concern is that, um, we are sort of a running, we have this emergency fund. Yeah. And uh, because I, I'm not on Medicare yet, my husband is, so I get all the benefits of my health insurance. Mm-hmm. So I pay zero for health insurance. Yeah. If I pay, and I'm thinking that we're going to need to use this money for this year no. until next April when I am on social no. or on Medicare. No, no. Instead of uh, taking money out of the our retirement accounts, because if I take money, then it becomes that is the income, yeah. and then I may not. Hey, Rose, here's here's subsidies. how I look at it. So, like, I don't like wasting money on electricity, my electricity bill. So, but if I'm not in the room, the lights are off, and I've always yelled at the kids because they don't turn the lights off. But I like the lights off, and I thought that's like a normal behavior. Most people I know, that's kind of the same thing. But then I I met this one woman. She said. She grew up, her parents told her that that was a sign of poverty to have a dark house. 
So she always liked all the lights on in her house. Really? Correct. I never met anyone like that. I'm looking at her a little crazy. Wow. Right. So she says, for like, this is what I was brought up to. You want a nice, bright house all the time, all the lights on. So if you're the type of person that likes all the lights on, you don't mind just spending extra money for nothing, then keep the mortgage. But there's no, mm-hmm. there is none. You cannot make an economic argument to me about why you should have that mortgage. There's none. There's none. You've got two hundred eighty thousand. You owe one hundred thirty on the house. You spend it. You take one hundred fifty grand out. You still have, right? You, you take one hundred thirty thousand, pay off the house. You still have one hundred fifty thousand dollars in I yield account. And in your house money, have, your emergency money, in your emergency, and then you have another one point seven million dollars that you're not spending now. And you've got a pension coming in to meet your needs. Yeah, you, you can't make an argument. So you called. You want to argue with us, and we'll, we'll tell you to do whatever you want. Right? Makes you comfortable. But you called and asked for our opinion, and our opinion is absolutely pay this off. Unless, unless, what's two point seven five? So it's. The difference to you is three thousand dollars in year in interest payments by keeping mm-hmm. this mortgage. That's right. That's two hundred fifty bucks a month. Two hundred fifty bucks a month. So if it makes you feel better, mm-hmm. and you want to waste two hundred fifty bucks a month, waste the two fifty. You can flirt, you can turn the lights on too. Yeah, you can do anything you want. I just got to worry that. Okay, well, I'm not going to. I can't help you there. Uh, we... Well, Rose, do okay. not worry. You you hey, are look, fine. Here's the reality. Part of the reason you have these dollars is because you've worried since you were a young girl about money. That's right. You show me someone that doesn't oh, care yeah. about money. You show me someone that doesn't care about money. I'll show you someone that doesn't have it. And I bet when you were uh, when you were a, a young bride, you would take some dollars and kind of hide them hide them away from your husband. They have a separate account and save and right. Keith, you guys are a financial guys and also psychic. <laughs> no, no, we've been doing this for thirty years. <laughs> You're not the first rose we ever met. <laughs> psychic. This is a this is an emotional <laughs> issue here, Rose. This is not a financial one. The financial one's easy. Yeah. You know what you know what the right you thing know to do. what to do is. You're ju- you're trying to get us to talk you into it. But we're not going to get. I am afraid to do it. Then That's don't right. do it. It's just going to cost you. you you're giving up two hundred and fifty. No, we're psychic. You're giving up two hundred and fifty dollars a month opportunity cost by not paying off the mortgage. But it's not going to make a difference in your it's life. It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to make just like difference. that. My friend who keeps the lights okay. on at the it's not, house. So if it makes you feel better, you're going to have to quit talking about it, though. If you don't do it, you can't ask anyone else. You can't call any of the shows. You certainly can't she call. Can do whatever us. she wants. I guess you can. You can keep this thing on the burner forever. Can't ask us again. All right. So our answer is financially, you should pay this mortgage off tomorrow. Emotionally, yeah, you're on your own. I, if you were my, if you were my, if you were my older sister, I'd say to you, "What are you out of your mind?" Because you're Irish and you yell at each other. (laughs) Yeah, then we'd scream, and then I tell her, "Never come to my house for holidays anymore." If you were my older sister, all right, my, you guys. My, all right, Rose. There you go. Appreciate the call. <laughs> Thanks. Let's head to Northern California talking with David. David, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Uh, yes. Um, I plan to um, uh, retire with uh, uh, full retirement benefits. Actually, I'll be taking my uh, survivor benefits from my spouse. Um, uh, plan to to uh, retire um, uh, December, end of December or 20, uh, 2022, actually early uh, early January of, um, of uh, 2023. And um, 
I'm looking at um, my tax liability uh, when I take the, the required minimum di uh, distribution at uh, at uh, seven and a half with my um, um, retirement um, uh, assets, okay. which is our IRAs. And I'm planning to find out how I can actually reduce that tax liability. One is do a a Roth conversion. And um, the question I wanted to ask whether I am still employed. I plan to uh, be employed till end of uh, December 2022. Mm -hmm. Is whether I should actually start doing the conversions now, or wait until um, uh, I um, retire? Uh, I start retiring where my my income level will be a lot lower. And uh, these IR uh, these IRAs, traditional IRAs, actually is a um, pretty much uh, acquired a large asset. And so it is going to be a large uh, uh, tax liability on my end. So you mentioned that you were receiving a survivor benefits from your wife's pension. Did you not? Uh, actually, it's going to be uh, Social Security uh, survivor benefits. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And I'm going to yeah, I'm going to defer my uh, my Social Security till age seventy. How old are you now? I am sixty five. I'll be turning um, uh, sixty six. And four months at the end of uh, December 2022, which I'll be eligible to take up uh, the full uh, survivor uh, uh, benefits from Social Security. Got it. And then you, uh, what, what's your income now? Uh, my income, income is, is probably about 153 without without bonus. And what will it? And how much is the bonus? 10 or 15 percent. Twenty to fifteen uh, to fifty thousand. All depends on how my company does. Okay, and uh, so one hundred seventy-five to two hundred thousand. What will your income be at retirement time? Um, um, and I'll have to let you know also is that I do have in, uh, in, income from uh, rental properties too. And how much is that? Um, let me see. Twenty-four uh, k for one property, and about. Thirty-six thousand um, on the other property. So sixty gay. Oh, no, that's taxable yeah. to you. Yeah, that is taxable. Okay. That is taxable. And yeah. uh, how? What's the size of your retirement account? Uh, for my uh, traditional combined, IRA, yeah, our IRA is three and a half without uh, rent, uh, without uh, um, without uh, real estate investment, yeah. as well as my. Uh, I do have. Um, I do have stocks. Okay, so your IRA, everything you have in what are called qualified plans or pension plans, you said is three right. and a half million. Is that correct? Right. Okay. That's and by the correct. way, you had mentioned required minimum distributions at age seventy and a half. It's now seventy, age seventy two. So it gives you a little bit more window, right? To do I'm that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's correct. I'm the, it's a new it's a new requirement. And what that, state that, do you what state do you live in? California. Do you plan on being in California the rest of your life? Uh, I'm probably going to be moving after I retire closer to my, um, my daughter who actually has a three month old, oh. uh, baby boy. So hopefully your daughter lives in the state of Washington, Nevada, <laughs> Texas, <laughs> or Florida. She lives in California. Okay. okay. Uh, and I also, I just want to let you know, um, um, I can't pay off the conversion with non-retirement money. I do have assets with uh, non-retirement money. Well, and how much money do you have in non-retirement money? 
other than your uh, uh, rentals? Close to, mil- uh, close to a million. Yeah, I would probably. I would. Pl- <laughs> I would run some numbers and consider doing. Have you converted any in the past? No, that's and All that's right. where I wanted to looking at it because yeah. I, you know, when I looked at my um, my t- retirement plan and retirement strategy, I'm going. That's going to be a. So if a I were in your sit- if I were in your situation, I would run some numbers this calendar year. You've got. It's probably best once you retire, but you still might even. Well, it, it most certainly is when you retire because your taxable income, we're going to take your survivor benefit. But even at 72, I mean, on a conservative basis, he's got a couple hundred grand a year in, re, in required minimum distributions. Yes. If I were in your situation, quite frankly, um, look at I would, this year and next year. Yeah, definitely. You're, you're going to take the survivor's uh, Social Security at full re, at your full retirement age, right? Yes, correct. And then swap over to yours at age 70. That makes total sense. And then um, I would I would run the numbers to see w- where we are in the tax bracket and if it makes sense to convert a little this year, looking at both federal and state taxes. If it doesn't, at a minimum, I beginning in, in 2023. You would want to do it every year until age 72. Yep. Right. So I, I did actually run some 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 scenario, uh, some scenarios and, and you know, it seems that it seems that I would probably come out ahead uh, from the, the amount of taxes I'll, I'll be pay, um, be paying uh, if I start doing the conversions now. Even though that, you know, if I do that, it's going to be a, a big because I'm I'm still working. Well, you're going to pay the taxes at some point in time. All we're talking about is the timing right. of that taxation. Yeah, and correct? and uh, can we? Like, I mean, the, the the tax rates are very progressive. So if you look at your file single. So if you look at at single, I mean, we're at a at twenty two percent bracket up to eighty six thousand. Then it goes to twenty four thousand from eighty six to one hundred sixty four. Then it this is taxable. Then it jumps to thirty two percent, and then thirty five and thirty seven. So mm-hmm. like what you'd hate to do is the years twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four have taxable years where your your, your income is sixty thousand dollars or something taxable income, and then. Also, you've got required minimum distributions a few years later at a couple hundred thousand, and now you've you've you missed out on some years at lower tax rates. We don't know what the t- future of tax rates are going to be, but there's certainly I certainly don't think they're going to be flattened anytime soon. They're <laughs> no, no. no, and no. and f- so for you, 2021 and 22, uh, you're just going to have to do the numbers, and you're going to see that there's not much you can convert or should convert, but 23, 24, 25, 26. 27, uh, you most certainly want to take yeah, advantage I don't know of how that. How much a hurry I'd be to convert at when it's 32% federal bracket. That's right, because you've got so much room in there for There's, the other stuff. And then, depending on what your, your what your plans are and what your overall estate plan is, uh, I mean, if 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 part of your estate planning is having some portion at all go to charity, you might. One thing you can do when required minimum distributions, you can send a portion of that. Uh, requirement of distribution to a, a nonprofit and it, it escapes taxation. And I assume that you're making contributions to your company's 401k now, correct? Yes, I am. And are you doing it on a Roth basis? Uh, I'm doing it on a, a mixture of uh, traditional uh, 401k and a Roth. You should do it all Roth. Oh, I should do it all Roth. Okay. Yeah. You're I, just, I you, doing, it's right now, it's right, it's right now about 60, 40, yeah. uh, a Roth. And so, um, and the reason why I, mean, I, I was doing because of just it just 
uh, you know, it helps my tax basis. Understand, but it, but, but the same time you good, call good, and ask yeah. if you could go backwards, it compounds your your requirement of distribution problem. Right. So that's you, correct. Yeah, that's you correct. It, it, one day you said, "Hey, can I can I correct this problem?" And you're like, "But there's a hole in your your roof, so there's no sense uh-huh. in fixing the rest of the house right. until we fix the hole in the roof." And so, most certainly, the, the the first thing you should do is just convert to a Roth on those, and then do the math once you convert to a Roth to figure out if there's much more. And there probably won't be much more. It makes okay. sense. Okay, and do then it. if if let's say if I do the math and I, and I start and I start deciding in 2021 to do the conversion. I would just do increments of that conversion until I yeah, take the, the full uh, requirement distribution. That's exactly right. And probably not the conversion yeah. until the latter part of the year to see where you're at tax-wise. And the, I mean, uh-huh. the, the, the way to do this right is to actually run the numbers with a tax program with your actual <laughs> income flowing through and the actual tax rates. And that gives you – then you know exactly where it is. And you can say, all right, if I converted $10,000, what's the effective tax on that last $10,000? And the other things that isn't a question you asked, you said you have a daughter. Um, do you have multiple children? No, I have, um, I have only a child. Okay, I would I would actually consider starting to give money to, to her. Oh, to her? Yeah, to her. Interesting. I, I, actually, I, I actually have a, a UGMA account for my grandson, and also I started a 529. Okay, perfect, perfect, uh, so, perfect, perfect, uh, perfect. And, and she is a surviving trustee on my estate. Okay. Uh, trust, I'm sorry, my, my I think trust. Pat Pat's probably referring more to what estate taxes estate could... taxes down the road. And from uh-huh. the sounds of it, you're a great saver and not a big spender. So that's not going to change. That's not going to change in retirement. Okay. So if okay. you're comfortable, start gifting her money. I mean, yeah, that's the uh, fifteen thousand bucks a year you can gift, and then of course that, that creates other issues. <laughs> So, I mean, you could also set up an irrevocable trust and have some and gift it to some of that. But at the size of states you're at now, currently it's 11 million bucks that each individual can pass on. I guess this, that's going to change. Not uh, probably not on the upswing. Who knows? Uh, if I'm a yeah, okay. Who knows? I'm guessing it's going to change. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Appreciate the call, yeah, David. Thanks. And we're talking with. John, John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Pat and Scott. Hi, John. Hi, John. Um, have a qu- having a, a question uh, planning uh, for uh, our estate and inheritance of our home uh, when that day comes. And I heard that there were some possibly some recent changes in the laws that um, might affect the way that we plan. Um, so a this would be a parent to child you know, direct inheritance. Mm-hmm. So our kids could either um, keep the property, in which case does the current property tax level stay the same or did the recent law change it? So this is California state law. Is, this is California state law, by the way. Okay. State law, yes. Okay. And what's the... Or uh, the other option is if they choose to sell the property, is there still the step-up in the appraised value so they don't have to pay capital gains? The answer to that second question is, is yes. What if, if, if you inherit an asset, someone passed away, you inherit that asset directly, there is no, uh, no longer any capital gains. Whatever the uh, value was, it is now stepped up from a tax purpose to the fair market value. 
So if you if you had paid fifty thousand dollars for a house that's worth five hundred thousand, all that gain is forgiven. Right now, in okay. regards to the property tax, it was under Prop Thirteen that you were able to. Maybe there's a subsequent proposition of that. There was, um, but then there it was it enabled a child to inherit the family home if they moved in it and converted it to their own primary residence. They could keep the low tax basis. But there was just a in the last election. I think it was the last election cycle. There was a proposition to uh, change that, and I don't remember what happened with it. I you? don't either. Um, I believe it was. I believe it was set in such a way that that you no longer can uh, maintain the property tax base. It was my understanding as long as they were going to live in it, live in it. Yeah. So as long, if they were going to live in it, they would maintain the property basis. But if you were going to turn it into a rental, you would not. But. But that changed. I believe it did, but I don't. I wouldn't rely on. I wouldn't rely on our information for correct on that one. <laughs> on that one. Okay. The, the 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 federal taxes is yeah. We know that that now will change in the future. Having a clue, uh, but the state income tax. It shouldn't be hard for you to to find that. Would they move into the house? The children. Yes. They would. Yes, they would. How many children do you have? Uh, two. Uh, one lives. Uh, Still in the country, one lives uh, abroad. Okay, so for estate tax planning, what you you're you're planning on is giving the same amount, but you're going to give one in property and the other in income, or in in assets. I'll let them fight over it. Okay, well that's they, good enough. That's they actually can divvy the, it up fifty fifty. That's the right answer, by the way. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah, truly, that is the right answer. Because what happens is if you start directing property one way or the other, um, you'll you'll run into problems. In fact, Mike, we. I think I talked about this a few weeks ago. I have four children over the holidays. Um, my wife and I sat down with four kids and we discussed our estate plan. I'm 59 years of age. And um, and so, like, you know, now's the time. We discussed the, this estate plan. And then they asked one of the questions was, what happens if one of us wants to live in the house? Um, and I said, well, then you guys will work it out among yourselves. And the way you normally work it out is you get two appraisals and then you discount the house by 6%, which would be the cost of disposal in the estate uh, for the house. And you would go from there. Okay. I remember you talking about that. Uh, appreciate the, uh, the call. Um, we're, we're on a fixed time because we still broadcast terrestrial in addition to this podcast. So unfortunately, we're out of time, but uh, we're here every week at the same time. And, uh, of course, podcast drops same time every week. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.